tough message to preach, brother. I didn't envy you. Um, and then the week before, um, I talked about how um, we got to get a hold of our mouths, right? We got to be, oh, I'm sorry, Children's Church, you can go at this time. I failed my duties once again. Um, I talked about how that we have to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry, right? So in keeping those two things in mind, we're going to look into the book of James again. Um, James 1, 22 through 25 says this, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I mean, I could stop right there, and if we would just get that. It's not enough to listen to it. We've got to do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away, immediately forgets what he looks like. That video that I showed earlier, there's some, there's some video of me in that. I didn't show you that. Because in a couple of those, it looked like I looked in the mirror and saw that I needed to brush my hair but then I walked away and forgot what I looked like, <laughs> just like James is talking about here. When you look in the mirror, you see what you look like. Oh, I've got a smudge on my forehead, or I've got this or that. And then if you forget about it, and you go out, and this happened to me not too long ago. I'm, many of you, most of you know I, I drive for UPS, and I'm delivering packages all day long, and people are just kind of giving me dirty looks all, not dirty looks, but just kind of funny looks all day. And then finally, you know, I go into this gas station, I run in to use the restroom. I had like a box or something that hit me in the head, and I had this just big line, like a, like a, like a dust or a dirt line, just like catty corner right down my face. Who knows how long it had been there? Yeah, thank you. Somebody would have told me about it. Yeah, so if you ever see, if your UPS man ever comes in, he's got something, who knows, he probably hasn't been in a bathroom for a couple hours, say something to him, tell him, hey, uh, you might want to get that checked out. But anyway, James says we look in a mirror and then we go out and we forget what we look like. We forget the kind of people that we are. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. If we look into the law of liberty, the liberty that Christ gives us, and then we do it, we'll be blessed in what we do. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray in these next few moments as we look into it, Lord, that you would illuminate our minds to it, God, that you would draw us closer to you, that you would make us more like you, that you would uh, put into our heart the things that are in your heart. God, that we would not focus on what we want all the time, but God, what, what is your kingdom? And Lord, may we bring your kingdom now to this earth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so James, we know that James was the... Um, brother, we, we talked about this. James was, the, James was the son of Mary and Joseph. He was the half-brother of Jesus, if you want to say it that way. Um, because, you know, Mary was, was Jesus' earthly mother. Joseph was his, was his earthly father, but he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. But, but, but Mary, um, according to the Gospels, went on to have other children, James and Jude. James was one of those sons. Not to belabor the point, but some of you weren't here when we started the series. Um, so, and we know from John, the seventh chapter, that it says his brothers didn't believe in him yet. So we know that, that Jesus had these brothers, and James was one of them. But then later, James writes and tells us that we have to, we can't just be hearers of the word, we've got to be doers as well. But, but there's an interesting story in Luke, the eighth chapter, it says that his, uh, talking about Jesus, Jesus was, was somewhere with his disciples. His mother and brothers showed up. 
But they couldn't get through to him because of the crowd. He was given the message, your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are the ones who hear and do God's word. Jesus says this in reference to his mom and his brothers. He says, no, the real ones who are my mother and brothers are the ones who hear and do. No doubt that got back to James. Because if word gets to Jesus that they're outside waiting on you, and when Mark tells this story, he says they were concerned about Jesus. They thought he had gone mad. Because normal human beings, regular folks don't walk around saying they're God. I like what C.S. Lewis says. You can't say that, you can't just say Jesus was a good man, a good prophet, because good men don't make those kind of claims. Right? We're honoring Charles today, but if I had said Charles is the son of God, (laughs) Charles is a good man. But if I say something like, I'm the son of God, I'm not a good man anymore. So don't, you, can't, you don't get away with just saying that about Jesus. You can't just say, oh, he's a good prophet, he's a good man. No, you can't say that. He was either crazy or he was exactly who he said he was. I prefer the latter. I believe the latter. I believe he was exactly who he said he was. But his family thought he was a little crazy for a little bit. But anyway, so he says, my brothers are the ones who hear and do. And then we have James repeat that same language to us because James had finally come around to the fact that Jesus was Messiah because he appeared to James after he was raised from the dead, we know from 1 Corinthians 15. So I just think that's interesting that what Jesus said in reference to James, James has now given us. You've got to be a hearer and a doer. James figured this out. So we've got to be a hearer of the word and a doer of the word. What do we have to be a hearer and a doer of? What exactly am I talking about? Am I talking about Levitical law? Am I talking about Levitical purity codes? No. Because Jesus did not observe those. We know that it says Jesus brought the lame and the blind into the temple. That was against the law. They weren't allowed to come in. Jesus said, I don't care about these rules. I'm bringing everybody in. He drove out the money changers and he made space for the least of these. That's what Jesus did. He drove out the people who were powerful, who had the money, and he made space for the least of these. And let me tell you, if you're wondering if you're a hearer and a doer, is that what your life looks like? Or are you kowtowing? Are you you, uh, bowing to the people who are powerful and who have all the money? Or are you concerned about the least of these? Because if you're going to follow Jesus, you can do that. You can do what I first talked about in the first. Say that it's all about the people who have money. It's all about getting more, me getting more, me getting more, me getting more. You can do that if you want. But don't say you're a follower of Jesus. And don't get up and preach from behind pulpits. I hear a lot of that. You want to be a follower of Jesus? You can be a follower of Jesus. But you've got to know what it means. Don't get up and, and, and give your political agenda and then... Put Jesus on the end. Because church has become, hey, come in here, say a prayer, vote for who we tell you to vote for, and give your money. That's not following Jesus. Following Jesus is going to the temple and say, where are the abuses happening? Going to the temple and say, who's getting shortchanged here? Who's getting pushed out? Who's getting held out? And how can we bring them in? 
That's what following Jesus is. And if you don't want to do that, you don't have to. But don't say you're a follower of Jesus. If all you care about is the powerful and the people in power, you know who, care about, who cares about the powerful are the people who are usually powerful. Man, I could, man, I could say a lot. Be good, Bradley. Are we recording this? No. <laughs> what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So what do we follow then? Do we, do we follow the, the Levitical law? You know, the law of Moses? I believe, I believe the Ten Commandments. I believe we follow the Ten Commandments. We don't murder. We don't steal. We don't. But Jesus gives us more. Jesus gives us more. Do you remember the rich young ruler? He comes to Jesus. He's like, Jesus, I have followed these commandments all of my life. And Jesus is like, yeah, but you still lack something. And he's like, tell me, what do I need to do? And do you remember what Jesus said to him? I don't like this scripture. Jesus said, one thing you lack, and then you'll get your eternal life. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. That doesn't preach in America, churches, American churches. It doesn't. Because we, what, I love that song Harnell talked about, was singing. He's like, where's this prosperity that I've been promised? Because that's what we do. We promise people, hey, if you do this, this, and this, then you're going to have all this stuff. Well, you know what? That doesn't preach in the poor countries of the world. So it's not the gospel. If it's not good news to the poor, Jesus said, I have come to preach the good news to the poor. And if it's not good news to the poor, it's not the gospel. And I'm way off my notes. So what do we follow then? What do we, what do we hear and do? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Is that what we do? No, we don't. Because Jesus turned that on its head. And he said, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, Jesus takes authority over everything, even over the law. Even over the Torah. Jesus takes authority. Jesus is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus was there in the beginning. Jesus is the Word. Jesus said, you've heard it said an eye for an eye, truth for truth, but I say to you, if somebody slaps you in the face, <clears throat> well, you better not slap me in the face. You better not step up on me. I'm going to tell you right now. You know what? You don't want to see me mad. No, I don't want to see you anytime, if that's your attitude. You don't want to get me upset. You don't want to, hey, hey, hey. And you can be that kind of person. But don't say you're a follower of Jesus. Because you know what people like to do with the Sermon on the Mount? They like to say that's not practical. It doesn't apply to real life. Yeah, it got Jesus killed living that way. And, and that's why he said the world will hate you. Not because of all your blessings that you get from the Lord and your, you know. That's not why they're going to hate you. They're going to hate you because you're going to have an alternate lifestyle. You're going to treat people well, even people who treat you poorly. 
That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Oh, we didn't finish it. He says, if they slap you in the face, turn aside and say, oh, you missed a spot. (laughs) Get me over here too. He says, turn the other cheek. What? No. I'm not turning the other cheek. We got to be a hearer and a doer. It's not enough to just be a hearer. We got to be a doer, right? Now, let me give you a disclaimer there. Do not stay in an abusive relationship. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. Please hear me. Do not allow people to abuse you and to treat you poorly. I'm not saying you have to stay around and put up with that. I'm saying when it happens, you don't retaliate and then you remove yourself from that situation. I am not saying stay where you are being abused. Jesus says, love your, he said, you have heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who do bad things to you, who talk bad about you. You don't hear a lot of people preaching from the Sermon on the Mount. We talk about it a lot here, thankfully. But Jesus was laying out how to live your life. And too many times we think we say a prayer and then our soul is raptured up into heaven and no, it's safe and secure up there in heaven. It's going to be there waiting for me when I die. But I'm going to live my life right here and now how I want. Jesus, you take care of the afterlife. I've got this covered. If somebody comes up and slaps me in the face, uh, I ain't turning the other cheek. They're going to incur my wrath. We put bumper stickers on our car. Try and steal these guns. What are you going to do? Murder someone? Okay. Buy the bumper sticker. But don't tell people you're a follower of Jesus. Don't tell people you go to the river church. (laughs) We got people in churches that are so concerned about the second amendment, but they give very little thought to the second greatest commandment that Jesus gives us. Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. But there's a second equal to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. God could care less whether you have the right to bear arms. <laughs> it's fine if you want to do it. That's fine. I'm not, I don't own a gun. You, you can own a gun. That's fine. And it's legal in this country. But don't tie it up with Jesus. I saw a politician. I, I can't. My head explodes when I turn on uh, any kind of political news, so I don't. Uh, <laughs> but he's like, they're trying to take our God-given rights. God-given rights? To bear arms. Don't let them take your God-given right. Okay. (laughs) Let that sink in for just a second. A God-given right. When this was written... (laughs) This this is an iPad, by the way. But uh, the Bible's in it. When this was written, uh, we didn't have things like guns, 
could projectile. There, there wasn't guns back then. There's no, you can read your Bible from front cover, any translation you want. I promise you, you will not find the right to bear arms in there. You know what you'll find? You'll find the right to lay down your life. You'll find the right to give up what you think you ought to have. You'll find, you'll find to sell everything you have that's worth anything and give it to the poor. Again, I'm not, I don't mean to get super political, and I, I understand. I know a lot of people who have guns. It, it's fine if you have a gun, just don't shoot me. Um, <laughs> it is a Second Amendment right. It is a right of the, the Constitution of the United States. But it's not on par with the Bible. It's not on par with the words of Jesus. The Constitution, whether you realize it or not, was not written by God. There's flaws in there. Okay, now that I've made two-thirds of you really angry, no. <laughs> you'll be waiting for me in the parking lot with your firearms. <laughs> and we'll have another discussion, and I'll probably see things your way. <laughs> At least until I get a safe distance. <laughs> I promise you there is nowhere in my notes anything about guns. I don't know where, why we are going down that road. Uh, what was I talking about? Oh, we got to be hearers and we got to be doers. Jesus told the rich young ruler, there's something you're lacking. You got to make the poor a priority in your life. And to be a follower of Jesus, that's got to be part of your life. The disenfranchised, the, the least of these, the, the, the ones who are being pushed down, held back. The church of Jesus Christ is to reach out to them. I'm sorry, I might make some of you mad. When we hear about kids in cages, no matter where it is, that should do something inside of you. No matter why they're there, no matter whose fault it is. How we live our lives is important. How we treat people matters. It should be... In church, I said it, what it is. It's, hey, come to Jesus, say this prayer, give us your money. Here's who you, vote, you need to vote for, and um, you're good to go now till eternity. You said the prayer. That's not following Jesus. Jesus never led anyone in a sinner's prayer. But you know what he said? Drop everything and follow me. Drop everything and let's go. Follow me, okay? They left all. Yes, there is a point where you do say a prayer, I believe, and you, and you do come to a place where you accept that Christ is Savior. You accept that Jesus is the Son of God. You accept, you, you, do, you do receive him into your life. You do, it is a prayer. But that's not how Jesus did it. That's, I mean, that's a great starting point, but that's not the end of the road. It's a great place to start. It is the place to start, but it's not the end of the road. It's a lifetime of following him. Paul tells us we are being saved. We are being saved. We think, say the prayer, soul's in heaven, I'm good. I believe that as we live out the life that Jesus gave us, the Sermon on the Mount, the way that we treat others, as we live that out, and as we begin to reach out and become Jesus to other people, in that process, 
our soul is saved. In the process of being Jesus to people, Paul says we are being saved. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew 9, 13, go out and find what is meant in Scripture that says, it is kindness that I want, not animal sacrifices. I have not come to call respectable people, but outcasts. Jesus came to call outcasts. And that's what we're to do. We're not to call them outcasts. <laughs> but, but Jesus is using terminology that the people would understand what he meant. Outcasts in those days, they were lepers. They were the, the blind, the lame. They were outcasts. They weren't allowed in society. And Jesus brought them into the temple. After he cleansed the temple, then Jesus brought them in and said, these are deserving of the presence of God. And he cast out the, the powerful ones. Okay. Boy, I'm a long way from James right now. Sorry. Uh, Jesus there was quoting the prophet uh, Hosea in 6.6. 6, Hosea 6.6. 6. I believe that hearing and doing the word of God is more than our devotion to purity codes and Sabbaths and church rules. I believe he wants us to be merciful and kind. Matthew 5, 38 through 40. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you in the right cheek, turn them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, give them your coat as well. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies. Your en what is an enemy? Your enemy. <laughs> Pray for those who persecute you, that ye may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his sun to shine, to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what, re what reward will you get? And not even the tax collectors, are not even the tax collectors doing that? Let me read that again. If you love those who love you, what good is that? Even sinners do that, is what Jesus was saying. Uh, and if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus tells us what it means to be perfect there. To love people who don't love you, to love even those who don't love you, and to greet everyone. Be welcoming to everyone. Not, he says, not just your own people. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. That was an excerpt from the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to read the Sermon on the Mount, please do. It's Matthew 5 through 7. I believe that that is what we are called to do. I believe that's what Jesus has called us to do, how he has called us to live our life. <clears throat> we can't just hear those words of Christ, though, and agree with them. We've got to do them. Something's going to happen to you this week, I promise, if you're over the age of 16. If you're under 16, your life's pretty easy, so no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm speaking only of my experiences. <laughs> I had people like Charles looking out for me when I was growing up. <laughs> and I know that's true, and I know many of you are under 16, and your life has been bad, so I apologize for projecting my, my experiences onto you. But something's going to happen to you this week where something inside you is going to rise up and you're going to want to lash back. Can I tell you that's not God? 
That's a spirit, but it ain't the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we can't just listen and say, oh, yeah, that's, that's right, Bradley. That's how we should be. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But still, nobody better cut me off in traffic. Or, and we better sit in my chair at church. Everybody knows I sit middle front. I'm making fun of Walker now because <clears throat> he can take it. He's got big shoulders. Something's going to happen to you this week. I promise you're going to have an opportunity to live this out. Your husband's going to do something stupid. Sally. (laughs) Something's going to happen to you this week, and you're going to have the opportunity, and I pray that my words come to mind, that you're not just to be a hearer of the word, but you're going to be a doer. I pray that my words come to my mind. Jesus gives us the Sermon on the Mount as a way of living our life and enacting the kingdom of God. We enact the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, right? We talked about that a little bit. That's what, that's what we should be building toward. How we treat others matters. I believe that just... Saying a prayer and then thinking that you're all good, I believe that that is not only flawed, I believe that it's dangerous. I believe that it has led to horrific things. Not only in this country, but in other countries. Adolf Hitler thought he was a Christian. He did. He said a prayer. Most of the slave owners in the South and in the North in this country, back before, pre-Civil War, went to church on Sunday. They thought they were Christians because they said a prayer. Not because they were living a life that looked like Jesus, but because they said a prayer. They thought everything was good. Oh, me and Jesus, we're good. I'm going to provide some, some Bibles that, to, to my... Uh, to my slaves, and I'm going to take out all the, the things that, uh, you know there was actually a slave Bible that took out all the verses about liberation and about freedom? You want to talk about demonic? You want to talk about people who are going to answer to God for changing the word of God? Taking the name of God in vain? That's what taking the name of God in vain is. Just because you sit in a pew doesn't mean, just because you sing Amazing Grace or How Great Thou Art doesn't mean everything's good. It matters how you live your life. It matters how you treat people. It matters. Leaders in this country who drove Native Americans off their own land Went to church on Sunday. In fact, went, I read a story. Uh, I think it was, the, it was somewhere in Connecticut. I don't want to butcher the story, so I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to try to give you too many details. But the guy went to the pastor. He, there were some Native Americans on this land, and he wanted it. And so he went to his pastor and said, is it all right if I just go down and kill them? And the pastor said, I'll pray about it. And the next morning, the pastor told him, yeah. 
And so they went down and burnt the teepees. Went to the, went to the house of God for counsel. Just because you're standing behind a pulpit, it doesn't mean you're godly and that you're following Jesus. You can't just say, ah, oh, yeah, Jesus is the son of God. Yep, believe that. I want a gold one that's silver lined. Just build my mansion over the hilltop. It matters how you live your life here and now. It matters how you treat people now. Yes, it all starts with faith. It starts with faith in Jesus. You have to have faith in Jesus. But as our brother James is going to tell us, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. He, in today's language, he says, shut up about your faith and show it to me. Let's read it. James 2, 14 through 26. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds or no works? Can such faith save them? Question mark. Can faith alone save you? I know Paul tells us that it is we are saved by faith, not by works. But faith starts us out on a journey that produces works in us. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Oh, brother, you've, uh, I've got faith and you're living and yours out. Mine is just faith. No. James is like, uh-uh. Even the demons believe and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not faith alone. How you live your life matters. How you treat people matters. I'm just going to keep hammering and hammering away until I get it and until you get it. How we live matters. How we treat people matters. Why am I screaming? <laughs> I just heard myself. And I was like, <laughs> Charles is going to be scared to death. He's never coming back. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see, a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Your faith without works is dead. Your faith, when not accompanied by kindness, mercy, justice, forgiveness, love, reconciliation, enemy love, empathy, is worthless. How you behave matters. How you treat people matters. I said that a lot, I know. <clears throat> I already talked a little bit about this, but it's in my notes, so... You'll never convince me that any slave owner in this country was a true Christian. 
You'll never convince me that anybody that drove and murdered people off of their land, pushed Native Americans off their land, were true followers of Jesus. I will never be convinced. Okay, so that's what we're saying a couple hundred years later. In a hundred years from now, what are they going to be saying about us? What are they going to be saying about America 2019, Christians? We throw away more food than most countries have. Two-thirds of the planet without clean water, starving. And we're like Chevy Chase on Three Amigos. He just pours the water. <clears throat> you know, has anybody ever seen Three Amigos? Two of the guys, two of the guys, they're, they're going through the desert, and one guy gets one drop of water. Steve Martin and then Marty Short pours, and sand comes in his mouth. And then Chevy Chase grabs his, he's like, then washes his face, and then throws his canteen on the ground, and the water just spills out. And we laugh, because that's funny. And then, like, they're staring at him. But that's, that's us. That's the, that's the United States of America. We're just like, give me more, more. Meanwhile, most of the countries in the world don't have clean drinking water. What are they going to be saying about us in 100 years? No true follower of Jesus could have done that. Come on, it matters what we do. At the River Church, I want to take stuff like this seriously. That's why we give to missions. That's why we, we give to Haiti. That's why we give. That's why it's so important. What are they going to be saying about us someday? What, what are they going to be saying? Because we can look back and we can say, man, <laughs> I, know, I think I know what Jesus is about. And what they did is, is nothing to do with Jesus. What are they going to look and say about us? We've got to be doers of the word. Amen. It's not just about believing. Yes, believing is the most important. That starts us on the journey. But then our actions are going to start. If we're a true follower of Jesus, then our actions are going to follow. Amen. I'm almost to the end. Aren't you all happy about that? Might even get you out of here in time to get home and make kickoff. Kidding. I know that I've made a lot of you uncomfortable, and I'm sorry. Yeah. That's actually what a preacher's supposed to do, to be honest. I'm going to tell you if you're going to a church and you're just hearing what you want to hear, then that's not the word of God to you. It might be the word of God to someone there, but the word of God to you is going to push you, it's going to press you. It's going to prick your heart. It's going to make you want to push back a little bit. Because the word of God comes to a comfort, the comfortless, and discomfort, the comfortable. The word comes to comfort the comfortless and bring discomfort to the comfortable. That's what the word of God should do to you, right? It should challenge you. It should push you. I want you to leave here thinking, man, am I doing enough? Not at the ch necessarily at this church, but in my own life. 
I want us to think that. How, I want us to pray, God, how can we start to do the word? How can we start to bring about justice and mercy? What we do is important. We love, Christians love to quote the scripture. If my, if from first, I think it's First Chronicles, or maybe it's Second Chronicles. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And they'll usually talk about the scripture about when they're about ready to have a revival or something. And most of the time when they're talking about uh, when the nation repents of their sins, we're talking about the sins out there. Lord, if the, if the people of the casino right now would just repent of their, whatever it is. Lord, if, if, the, if oh, the library would just repent of their sins, or, or if so-and-so would just repent of their sins. No, 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 that's not what the Scripture says. If my people will repent of their sins and their wicked ways, we want God to come back to return. We want revival to come to America. Well, America's got to repent for her sins. But we don't even want to acknowledge them. Man, I'm wound up. The problem is we won't confess our sins. We're worried about everybody else's. Well, you know, no one's going come talking to me about mine. It's easy for me to see your sin, but brother, I just think I'm pure before the Lord. I just don't know if there is any sin in there. Wrong. <laughs> All our sins, First John tells us that if you think you're not a, uh, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. But the problem is we won't confess our sins. Faith is important, but it requires us to act. That's why we, at the River Church, that's why we serve at the food kitchen. That's why we collect supplies for the homeless. And when you're on your way out today, take a bag from the back. And when you see somebody on a street corner uh, asking for uh, something, with, with what you give them, give them one of those bags. If you see somebody walking on the street, give them one of those bags. If you'll, if you'll give them out, take one with you. That's why we mow and clean up yards of widows. That's why we take collections for those people who need. That's why we take blankets and meals to the cold weather shelter. That's why there's members of this church actively working to get a, 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 an Innocence Project event in St. Joe to, to, to show the injustices in our criminal justice system. That's what we're called to do. If we want to be like Jesus, and I don't know about you, but I want to be like Jesus. It's all about bringing justice and mercy and grace and being a doer of the word. Amen. We must be doers of the word. Remember what James told us in week one. We've got to be quick to listen. Slow to speak, slow to get angry. I, I said, we've got to be quick to listen. We've got to be careful to speak. Another, another a, a word for slow is careful, cautious. Be cautious to speak. Be cautious with your anger. Quick to listen, cautious to speak, cautious with your anger. <clears throat> We've got to be doers of the word. I'll tell you a quick story and ending. Um, has anybody ever heard of the Dream Center? It's in California. Matthew Barnett is the pastor. His dad was Tommy Barnett, pastored a very large church in Phoenix. Matthew Barnett tells a story about a young lady who, when she was nine years old, her mom um, introduced her to drugs. 
She started doing drugs with her mom at the age of nine. And at the age of 14, ran away from home and was homeless. And in California, I believe it's over 90% of homeless women are um, preyed upon and used as prostitutes. And she became, at the age of 14, um, someone took her in and started to take care of her, but little did she know that they then expected her to be a prostitute. And so at the age of 14, she began to be forced into that life. And her um, pimp, I don't like saying that word from the pulpit, but it is what it is. Her pimp uh, would take her on the buses and they'd go to these little small towns around wherever they lived. And the bus door opened one time and she ran. She was 18. She ran. And he got off the bus started looking for her. So she ran and hid. Now, a couple of months before this, a little old couple who went to, went to church, not, not the Dream Center church, there's a church at the Dream Center, went to another church, heard a sermon from the book of James about we got to be doers of the word. And they, told, they, they had a conversation and said, what can we do? And they decided that every night after supper, they would take all the leftovers from their food and they would go out and find homeless people and just give them their leftovers, talk to them, uh, if, and, and share the love of Jesus with them. So they were out this particular night, and they find this girl hiding behind bushes. And they offer her food, and she's scared to death. She tells them why. They get her to their car, and they drive. They get her away from that situation. They had heard of the Dream Center, and how the Dream Center takes in... Um, People, women who are homeless, and they took her to the Dream Center, and she went through the drug rehab program. Then she graduated. She got her high school diploma. Now she has her college diploma. She was rescued and saved. God didn't appear to her and save her, but two people said, I'm going to be a doer and not just a hearer. And through them, God saved her. So if you will be a doer of the word, you don't know who you will touch. You don't know who God will put in your path. And if you refuse, you don't know what opportunities will be missed. River Church, we have an obligation to not just hear it and say that's right. we got to do it we got to do it. I want to be a doer. I don't just want to be a hearer of the word. I don't just want to hear it and, and then go along with my life and think, I'm good. Living the Christian life is a challenging life, and if you're finding it easy, you're doing it wrong. It's challenging. But he promised, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If we take on the burden of Jesus, we find that we can do it. Amen. And I don't know if this isn't in my notes, and I don't know who needs to hear this. But 
I just felt like some of you, when I told that story, you were relating not with the people who went to help her, but with the, with the, with the young girl who was, found herself in a bad spot. And I just feel like I need to, to tell somebody that you are not what happened to you. That doesn't define who you are. You are more than what people did to you or said about you. The truest thing about you is that you are a child of God. The truest thing about you is that you are loved with an everlasting love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him won't die, but will have everlasting life. God loves you like that. God loves you like that. I've never been loved before in my life. Nobody's ever loved me. God does. God loves you like that. You are a beautiful, unique creation of God's. You are an image bearer of God. And I don't know who needs to hear that, but somebody does. We all do sometimes. But right now we're going to take communion together, and that's going to be the end of the service.